Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast brought to you as always by InsideThePenguins.com. Uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins have now won five straight games for the second time in basically the last two and a half weeks. Uh, they've been playing really good hockey, have won 10 of their last 12, and basically can beat everybody except for the Toronto Maple Leafs and Carolina Hurricanes uh, if you take the last three weeks into account. But the latest two in their current streak is a home-and-home home sweep of the Buffalo Sabres. And as you mentioned, this is not your older brother's Buffalo Sabres. This is a much better Sabres team with a lot of young talent and a lot of fight in them. And the Penguins were able to take it to them in both instances. Now, it wasn't a complete wash, uh, but the exact thing happened that needed to happen. The better team, at the end of the day, came out with the two points. And the Penguins get a 4-3 to win in overtime on Friday in Buffalo, and then a 3-1 win against Buffalo on Saturday. But the main story that anybody wants to talk about is Chris Letang. The last time we were talking on this podcast was on Thursday. All we had done is see a video of Letang doing a couple drills for the first time. And then we said, you know, he's progressing faster than expected. Well, later that day, he's in practice in full contact. He doesn't play on Friday because he's not quite ready, but he gets into the lineup on Saturday. Horwat, what did you see from Chris Letang and his return from stroke just 12 days after being diagnosed? I mean, what I saw was the entire lead-up. That, that first practice he had back where, we're, where I was running late a little bit, I think. I don't remember exactly. But I show up, and I'm like, wait a minute. Why is everyone freaking out and taking pictures? Oh, we're using the these hel- the helmets for this jersey, the uh, Winter Classic helmets. Like, oh, cool, we got the padding, the new pads. I'm like taking pictures of Tristan Jari and Casey DeSmith because... Jari had some cool pads. DeSmith has his cool helmet. I'm sure people have seen online already. And then I go to Twitter and I went, and I went, oh, wait, Crystal Tang's out here? <laughs> Crystal Tang is out on the ice just on the opposite end that I didn't even notice. So I was a few minutes late to it. But, um, I mean, the doctor spoke afterwards, said they were always surprised with how quickly he heals. And here he is 12 days later making his return. Um, whenever we said when this first happened that – we expect the return to be sooner than the last one because it was a less severe situation. Um, I don't think any of us were still expecting 12 days. That's under two weeks. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Like Obviously, we don't know the full situation of what exactly happened with the stroke. I mean, some strokes are minor, some are more severe. Um, but 
he's back after 12 days. And everyone kept saying stroke is a scary word. And then uh, it was still a lot faster than expected. 12 days is a pretty quick time frame. And, you know, we all figured, hey, he's going to get worked back in slowly. Uh, you know, the second line placement was perfect for it. Uh, and then next thing you know, he leads the team in minutes and has to kill a penalty. Welcome back, Chris. And I don't think it was all bad. Mm-hmm. I mean, some of the underlying numbers may be a little off, but I mean, first game back in 12 games against a not-your-grandfather's Buffalo Sabres, um, yeah, that's going to happen. It's going to be a little off, but overall, the Penguins got a win, and he didn't look god-awful. Mm-mm. No, no, he didn't look god-awful for, for a guy that... You know, had a medical emergency 12 days ago. He looked very good. Um, but he had, you know, you mentioned he led the team with 22 minutes and 14 seconds of time on ice. Surprisingly enough, that's a low total for him, even though it was the highest total on the Pittsburgh Penguins. I thought Todd Reardon and Mike Sullivan did a good job of trying to just kind of buoy his expectations and keep him kind of held back compared to what they usually do, which is 25 plus minutes a night. Um, but 22-14 is, is, is no joke. Uh, for for an obvious reason, he led the team because he is still the best uh, defenseman on the on the team, and I feel like that it that should be the sweet spot when he's completely healthy. Like, don't over rely on Chris Letang because even though he is one of the best defensemen in the league, I would say he's top fifteen for sure. You don't need to put that much stress on your top pairing defenseman when you do have guys that are performing, such as. You know, Pedersen Petrie is a great second pairing. So I, I do like that being a little bit more evened out on the ice time going forward. But not only did he lead the team in that, he led the team in hits. So right away, he was coming back with a physical side. Seven hits in the game, three blocks, which led all defensemen, and was second on the team to only Brian Rust, who had five blocked shots. So from that aspect, not bad. He didn't. I mean, he didn't pick up any points, but the Penguins... Didn't really pick up very many points either. They only scored three goals, and the, the last one was basically Jake Gensel and Sidney Crosby saying, we're tired of this little back and forth that we're doing. We're just going to end the game right here. Um, but you did mention the underlying numbers, and I did want to bring that up because you know, no, nobody wants to say the quiet part out loud, and the quiet part is he struggled at 5-on-5 five five against a very fast Buffalo Sabres team in transition. 16-15 uh, of time on ice at 5-on-5 five five with P.O. Joseph. Those two on the ice didn't score any goals, but they did give up the lone goal for the Buffalo Sabres. Shot attempts were 20-8 to in favor of Buffalo. Shots on goal was 11-5 to in favor of Buffalo. The Penguins had 27% of the expected goal share and 35% of the scoring chances when those two were on the ice together at 5-on-5, five five, which was the Penguins' top pairing heading into the day, and that also accounts to be the two lowest marks on the team as far as individuals. And you know what? That's going to happen. That's one of the things about Chris Letang that we've always talked about is his highs are extremely high, right? We love the highs. Mm-hmm. They're so fun to watch whenever he's on his game. But, boy, those lows can be ugly. And, you know, his lows honestly uh, kick they kick analytics out of the window. Sometimes when Chris Letang has a low, you just go, what are you doing? It's it, the, yeah. the gut reaction. But, um yeah, we always knew the highs and lows were going to be part of Crystal Tang's game, and I think getting his minutes down, if we can give him get him to 22 minutes regularly, I mean, I know he signed for six years, but that's a long time, and he's 35, obviously, and this is a bigger, broader conversation that I'm just coming up with in my head, but eventually he's going to have to drop down the lineup a little, right? Well, yeah. 
<laughs> you would you would expect so. You would totally expect so. And I think um, I'm not saying slowly like morph him back into the lineup, but then as a but as a second liner. But eventually that day is going to come, and getting him used to that kind of minute now, and um, you know who he's going to be playing against, giving giving him the lesser uh, player, almost like the Brian Dumoulin effect. You drop him to the second line for a couple games that should pick up. Obviously that didn't start well, but you know first game back will give him a break. If he's still on the second line tonight, I'd expect something a lot better. I mean, when you look at Chris Letang. He is the leader of this defense, but I feel like this defense is much better than a lot of the defenses Chris Letang has led in the past. Rely on those other guys. Like, Pedersen Petrie is one of the best defensive pairings right now in the National Hockey League. They are performing at a very high level when on the ice together. Rely on that a little bit more. And then Chris Letang will figure it out. He will have stretches where he is one of the best defensemen in the league again. Yeah, he will have stretches like what we saw against Buffalo where... Listen, at 5-on-5, it it didn't work too well. And he was credited with two giveaways. But, of course, we all know how official stats work for giveaways and takeaways. It's it's fickle. It's kind of unreliable. But, you know, with Chris Letang, it was great to see him back out there. There were moments that I said, you know, this is still the Chris Letang. Like, there's didn't miss a beat. But then also, he did struggle with P.O. Joseph, which is kind of a new thing. They haven't really played much together. People always want to bring up that that first time they played together and Joseph first stint with the Pittsburgh Penguins throw that out the window really throw that out the window two completely different players at this point and it was several years ago so they struggled in that game do you think that combination could work in the future though in the future yes and I'm not even going to relay it back to a couple few years ago because a, like you said yeah two completely different players then two completely mind different mindsets of hockey there wasn't a crowd mm-hmm. back then it was during yeah. the pandemic still it was a little bit of a different mindset of hockey it was we're just playing hockey because we kind of have to. Now it's a little different. It's you know you're playing your full seasons, you're playing your full games. Everyone's aged a little, but I still think it's a combination that can work because the two of do have a great chemistry off the ice, obviously, and can build something on the ice. It can build off of what they did two years ago uh, and form it into a new situation. The you know, it's a ton of fun watching them play because they have that sort of chemistry and they know how to play with each other. It's just, it's there's a bit of a learning curve though. We saw with Pedersen already is that, mm-hmm. um, Pedersen said he just kind of has to be a little bit more aware of what's going on. He has mm-hmm. to really know when Chris Letang is attacking because he'll just go off and do that sometimes. Mm-hmm. You know, it drives us all nuts. I'm sure it drives his line mates nuts. But you learn to realize that he's there. And you learn to pick mm-hmm. up on those things and shift to whatever you need to do. So give that a little bit of time, especially now that, it, like you said, two years removed. P.O. Joseph has had a number of different defensive partners since then. Once you gain some consistency, that sort of uh, awareness will follow and it will turn <coughs> excuse me, turn Joseph into a better defensive partner for Latank, who's just going to freewheel as he does. Mm-hmm. Yeah, with, with that pairing, I do really like the prospects of what it could become. Uh, the thing with it is, you know, Latang's used to having this tried-and-true defensive defenseman next to him. Dumoulin's done it for the longest time. Uh, even before that, you had, I believe, he played with Brooks Orpik for a while. You know, even Paul Martin was more, like, he, he had a little bit more offensive flair. That might be the closest thing we have to P.O. Joseph. I believe Doug Gladkey, a friend of the show, is the one that actually brought that up to me uh, in the first place. But... 
with Joseph, we saw what happened whenever Latang went down. Joseph said, all right, cool, I'm going to take command, I'm going to take the puck, and I'm best when I'm with, I have the puck. And guess what? There's only one puck to go around. So uh, it's a little bit of an adjustment for Joseph, who was just playing a lot of freewheeling. The offense runs through him when he's on the ice versus now he's going to sit back, now he's got to really just pay attention to the defensive zone. So we'll see how that's able to expand. One game is not a sample size, um, but they did struggle in that first one against a good Buffalo Sabres team, a fast Buffalo Sabres team. But listen, it's trial by fire because now the next three weeks, you're in a lot of games that are going to be difficult against good opponents with fast forwards. So we'll see if, if that's the pairing that they go with and we'll see how they're able to mature uh, through this last couple of weeks. But before we had to break, I wanted to mention this. Because I didn't think there was anything wrong with the Pittsburgh Penguins' second line. But Mike Selvin thought there needed to be a change and put Brock McGinn out there on the second line on Saturday, dropping Jason Zucker down to the third line. What did you think of this, and did you think there's anything wrong with the second line? It's been a little inconsistent. It's been a little quiet recently. I thought Jason Zucker was the weird choice. Uh, but as I pull up his numbers, it kind of makes sense. He's only got three points in his last ten games, and... All three of those points came in the same game. Uh, goal and two assists against St. Louis. Um, not the best. Although, I, when that move happened, I did quickly wonder. I was like, well, what's the issue with this line here? I mean, I remember Malkin hasn't scored in a while. I look him up. He's currently on a six-game point streak. He's gotten assists yeah. in six straight, which is good stuff. That's great. You know, we're happy that Malkin's able to still uh, produce. That doesn't mean you move him off the line at all. I mean, he's in those six games... Um, yeah, they're all assists, but it's eight assists. And by the way, it's five games. My bad. In five games, he has eight assists. Um, so he's clearly not the issue. He's dishing. Sure, you want to see him bury one because that has been a while. I think since his 1,000th game. I haven't. I didn't look further than that. Mm -hmm. um, and then Brian Russ is waking up. So the, the third line is weird. I think we continue to talk about how the third line has these great stellar moments where the analytics look phenomenal in fact i bet the analytics still look great because they were so good for a little while that uh, it's hard to pull that kind of number down and they're still like we said like malkin is still producing brian russ is waking up there are things still churning out on this line but something has felt stale about it mm -hmm. so i don't know if that switch was to wake something up like i said brock mcginn is a weird choice for that one but again brock mcginn has been scoring so it's something um, I think overall, though, when it comes to what I've seen, yeah, it just kind of looks stale. It just looks like something mm. has been left out a little too long. Something needs, something small needs to change. They're still generating their chances, still generating their opportunities. And like I said with Malkin and now Rusk, they're collecting points. It's just not as noticeable. Yeah, in the last five games, you mentioned it. Malkin on a five-game point streak has eight. Brian Rust has seven points in those five games, including two goals and a four-point game against the St. Louis Blues. And Jason Zucker, yeah, while he has struggled to score three points in his last ten, that's three points all in one game. But when you look at this line, yeah, you're not happy that they haven't been scoring really many goals at five-on-five. Five. Their shooting percentage is still higher. It's just the opportunities are going lower because the Penguins have been on the power play a lot recently. And they've been successful on the power play a lot recently. And when you do that, the need to put your second line out there, double shifting them, is a little bit lower. The Penguins have been leading in all these games, which means the third line gets more time, which means the fourth line gets more time, which means the second line gets less. And when Crosby is cooking the way that Crosby is, 
you don't need to put the second line out there for any longer than any other line on the ice. I know they're one of the best lines in hockey this season, but I didn't understand it. I, I think that they are in a little bit of a lull, but there's nothing wrong with that line. Uh, looking at the same sample size in the last five games, what do they look like underlying-wise? 63% of the shot attempts, 67% of the expected goal share, 63% of the scoring chances, oh, and yes, 76% of the high-danger chances. So this line is not just middling. It's actually performing extremely well. They're just getting less opportunity because, one, the power play is stepping up and giving Penguins the lead, and two, when they get the lead, Mike Sullivan is liable to let that fourth line and third line play out a little bit more because those lines specifically need to get a little bit more offensive input and need a little bit more game time to figure some things out. So I think there's nothing wrong with the Pittsburgh Penguins' second line. I thought it was just trying to jolt some things, putting Brock McGinn up there. I mean, McGinn right now has as many goals as Evgeny Malkin on the season with eight. So maybe in that game, he just tried to find a little spark, but I really don't think there's anything wrong with Malkin, Rust, Rust and Zucker. No, I don't think there's anything wrong either. I mean, like I said, things just are a little stale. You can spruce up stale. It's not like it's moldy and old, you know? Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it takes stale bread to make stuffing. All right, let's get this train rolling. There you go. There you go. And, you know, maybe something else that they can do is put Brock Besser on that line. And we're going to talk about those trade rumors that have kind of circulated around the city of Pittsburgh over the past weekend. We're going to talk about that in the second segment right after this break. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by InsideThePenguins.com. Brock Besser is an interesting character in the National Hockey League. He's been around for a long time at this point, but he's also been in trade rumors for a long time. But who hasn't from the Vancouver Canucks? doesn't matter what regime is in there. Uh, there's always the threat of a big-time or big-name Vancouver Canuck being on the move, and Brock Besser is the latest addition of that. He will likely be traded this season uh, as they have given his agent permission to seek landing spots and trades around the league. Besser is a 25-year-old right wing, has 16 points in 22 games this season, only four of those points being goals, and he has two more years on his contract after this one, worth 6.6 million dollars, which is reason numero uno is to why this would be a difficult trade as the Penguins already have six players, six forwards, I should say, that make over $5 million. So this would be number seven unless you trade somebody the other way, and we'll get to that in a minute. But this is really just a move that, yeah, people are saying, and I think it's just too much of a video game move, and we'll talk about whether or not the Penguins should do it, but it sounds like a video game move, but at the same time, as I've mentioned to a couple people, Jim Rutherford is a video game general manager or president of hockey operations. So maybe that's what we end up seeing anyway. 
Yeah, wheeling, dealing Jim Rutherford in the front office over there. We know he likes a good move, but he's just president of hockey operations. We still don't know the full extent of what Patrick Alvin can be as the man in charge of it's, that sort of situation. It seems like it doesn't matter where he goes. Jim Rutherford's always like, yeah, you're going to be my puppet. And I don't want to say Patrick Alvin is a puppet, but when everybody talks about these situations, they're talking to Jim Rutherford. They're talking about Jim Rutherford. It's like nobody remembers Patrick Alvin is the general manager of the Vancouver Canucks. I think because Rutherford is, at least in Pittsburgh and maybe in our in, our, in the algorithm of our brains, uh, is ingrained as the guy who makes the deals. You know, yeah. Whether they're good or bad, he just needs to get on the next trade. It's you know it's, it's a drug to him. He starts shaking whenever he realizes, oh, a, a guy that can be sent out? Sure, let's do it. Let's figure it out. <clears throat> it doesn't matter if it's good or bad. But this is a guy they have to figure out. Oh, yeah. I mean, not only is Brock Besser, he's a good player. I don't. I don't think he's lived up to what he, we everyone thought he could be. I mean, 55 mm-hmm. points in his rookie season. Next season, he had 56, and that's been his peak. He hasn't gone past that since. I mean, yeah, we've had COVID-shortened season, COVID-shortened season. But last year was his full season back, and I think this is where the, the tumult kind of started with him, mm-hmm. if not even the year before. He's also only 25. He's got a lot of career ahead of him, and... For what it's worth, the contract's kind of healthy if he can turn into what he was supposed to be, mm-hmm. right? We know he can be a good player. He was supposed to be part of this phenomenal, phenomenal Vancouver Canucks core that brought them Stanley Cups for years to come with him, Bo Horvat, uh, and the other Patterson, Elias. Mm-hmm. That's just not happening, clearly. So, you know, Besser's going to be the one that gets dealt. And as for Pittsburgh being involved in it, I think it's interesting I think there's plenty of pieces that could make this work. And there's plenty of spots he could land in this lineup if this mm-hmm. was to happen. There's a lot of fallback we could take. So let's go there. If Trader Jim, Jim Rutherford, sends Brock Besser to Pittsburgh, let's ignore what is sent back for the time being. Where would Brock Besser fit in this lineup? Do you think he goes into a top six role as a right winger, or do you think he lands on the Penguins' third line? So I would... Yeah, I think he would land on the third line. I think you turn the third line into, or at least you try to, flip it into that HBK situation we had in 16, where it is obviously not going to be at the same level, but you have your stout center who can win faceoffs at any given moment in Jeff Carter slash Nick Benino. I don't know who exactly. Yeah, you got the speedy winger in Kapanen slash Hagelin. They can finish when they are able to. And they know that ability is there, but their main focus is speed and defensive play. And then you got your goal score. If Brock Besser can refine his goal scoring game uh, and exceed to 29, which is his career high from his rookie season. But we know it's there in the Phil Kessel uh, equation. So I think that's what you could turn it into. Again, totally ignoring who's going back the other way just because yeah. you don't know if maybe some one of those names is involved in there or mm-hmm. maybe if he needs to be pushed up. If it's just, say, Besser and the cap doesn't exist and it's for a pick, mm-hmm. you know, you slot him in. I I would slot him in on that third line, and that's what makes this a video game trade. Mm-hmm. Uh, that cap hit is uh, a problem. Yeah. But I mean, you never know. With the situation, maybe they're willing to hold some of it. Yeah, there's a lot of factors that would have to play in for the Penguins and the Canucks to make this deal. As far as where he'd fit in the lineup, I do agree that I wouldn't break up the top six. I've said it on multiple episodes of tip of the iceberg and i believe i've already said it a couple times on penguins to go it's like one of the my favorite things to say the past three weeks the pittsburgh penguins have 
one of, if not the best top six in the National Hockey League when it's clicking on all cylinders like it has for the past three, four weeks, really. Um, so I wouldn't mess with that. I wouldn't. I'd leave that be. And if, if the Penguins were able to get Besser, uh, listen, Besser, Captain Carter sounds great. Um, also, two of those guys are right wingers, so I don't know who would be playing on the left. Um, probably Kapanen. I would imagine that you move Kapanen to the left just because I, I really don't know how comfortable Besser would be and you don't want to bring a guy in that is struggling and then say, hey, now you're going to play your off wing. But honestly, even if it is Kapanen that goes back, a Heinen-Carter-Besser line is not the worst thing. Even a McGinn-Carter-Besser line would not be the worst thing. Um, but again, that's in a vacuum, which brings us to the, the, the thing that I wanted to, to talk about really at the end of this was, would you make that trade? Would you, would you bring Brock Besser to the city of Pittsburgh? So in my fantasy land brain, I think I would, because as, as always, you know, I want the penguins involved in the big name deals. And that's, that's the other thing of this Brock Besser is emerging as the big trade is the big trade ship right now. The Patrick Kane thing kind of came and went. We don't really know what's going on there. If he's still on the block, he's obviously the uh, the big trade of the year. But we don't know what's going on there. As of right now, it seems like Brock Besser is emerging as the top uh, trade prospect. The top mm. person that's going to get traded this year. Yeah. Um. So obviously, the Penguins being involved in that, I mean screw it when now worry about the future later you know as is going to be the mindset for the next six years again so why not it would be my mindset of it why not because again fantasy land brain mm. bring in all your good players for all of our bad players love it but so i think yeah i would in reality there's got to be some steps that get taken first there's got to be pieces held money held Things got to move, and you also don't want to break up that top six. Mm -hmm. Likely, that's who gets shipped out, though, just mm -hmm. to make the cap work. So, fantasy land brand, yeah, I do it. In reality, yeah, give it a shot if you mm -hmm. can. So I'm, I'm with it. See, and I think I've said this before. This fan base was ruined by Ray Shiro than Jim Rutherford because they went out and got that big name, you know, Phil Kessel, Jerome Ginla. Go, go back Hosa. to Marion Hosa. They went out and got that big name. Ron Hextall has not done that. Think about what he's done at the last two trade deadlines, which is reward a team that's playing well with an extra piece. Jeff Carter was the first one. Nobody expected that. And the second one was Ricard Raquel, which had been in the news a little bit more two years prior. Wasn't really in the news as being linked to anybody on the move by any... And Hextall made that deal. And I'll talk about that on Penguins to Go this week. But... In a vacuum, this Besser deal works out for the Penguins. The Penguins don't play in a vacuum. The NHL is not NHL 23. Not in reality should this deal be made. I mean, for, for one, if that deal is made, it signals the end for Jason Zucker in Pittsburgh. It, it does. Whether he's in that deal or not, he's on the last year of a $5-plus million contract, and the Penguins would then, with Besser included, have seven forwards making over $5 million. Not to mention that they also have two defensemen and a goaltender who is probably going to make more than five starting next season. So that would signal at least the end for Jason Zucker, maybe somebody else. And when you look at the team the way they're playing right now, what, 10 wins in their past 12, 12 wins in their past 14, whatever it is, 
why are you bringing in somebody else's trash at that point? Like, I know Brock Besser has the potential to become a treasure, but right now he's he's Vancouver's trash. That's what we're talking about. And and that's why everybody's saying, oh, just, you know, maybe it, both both players need a new environment. Maybe that's Besser and Kapanen. Maybe that's Besser and Dumoulin. That's not how the NHL works. And if it does, I will be entirely shocked and you can old takes expose me to the moon and back but I don't think Brock Besser is right for the Pittsburgh Penguins right now I also think if you do that move it's gonna cost you one of your young defensemen and the Pittsburgh Penguins are already at a lack for young talent especially on the blue line Owen Pickering is not coming around the corner anytime soon so P.O. Joseph, who has been a revelation this season for the NHL squad, and Ty Smith, who the Penguins are expecting to be very, very good for this team in the future, a 22-year-old, it's going to cost you one of those guys, I would have to imagine, because I doubt they're going to say, yeah, we'll take Brian Dumoulin, and that's even if he waives his no-trade clause for them, because he has to submit a no-trade list, and you have to imagine that he's going to look at Vancouver and say, that's clearly a destination that's going to want me, and if he doesn't want to go there, that's clearly going to be a name on his list. I wouldn't be surprised in the least if that is on Brian Dumoulin's no trade list. And the same goes for guys like McGinn and Kapanen. Higher Capits, not really getting to that level when it comes to their play, even though McGinn is eight goals on the season. You're not going to be able to offload that in those deals. It's just not how it's going to work. So you're going to have to give up a young defenseman. Does Besser even fit with the Pittsburgh Penguins? Do you really want to make all these moves for a $6 million third-line player? I say no. No, you're right. It's one of those difficult ones. Like I said, my fantasy land brain is absolutely. (laughs) Listen, if you told me this in, what, 2019, when he was going off for 29 goals, I would have said, yes, bring Brock Besser here, Prince Charming, make the T-shirts, print it. But it's not 2019, and he hasn't scored 29 goals since then. So... Yeah, it's it is just at the moment the hot commodity of the trade, the the trade rumor mill, and mm-hmm. it's it's always a fun concept. I mean, there's clearly a lot of uh, nonsense going on around the player and the team, and a mm-hmm. uh, change of scenery might be needed for him. He might go somewhere and pop off, but somewhere that can afford him. Mm-hmm. And when it comes to players going the other way and who and what teams are on no trade lists. It's hard to say. I would assume Dumoulin, at least <clears throat> as an American-born player, doesn't want to go to Canada and wants to go somewhere he can win because, you know, yeah, the money's guaranteed. Ryan Dumoulin's made his fair share of coin this so far in his career, and likely the 4.1 uh, against the cap is the peak that he's going to be getting Yeah, considering the decline of play, the increase in age. Um, he's made his money. He's Where he's at is probably where he's going to be. It's time to go win his third. It's time to go find another ring somewhere if he needs to. He's going to want to go somewhere that can win. Clearly, Vancouver's not one of those teams right now. Hmm. And who knows what kind of what kind of contract Dumoulin gets after this? Who knows if he plays for another five years? Hockey's hard, especially on the body. And he's had a few his fair share of injuries. So he's going to want, if he leaves, is going to want to go to a team that can get him his cup, his third cup now, maybe next year, and then he can call it as much as he wants. So. Yeah. Yeah, that's at least the Dumoulin situation. Yeah, these guys are going to want to go somewhere they can win, and it's not Vancouver. If, mm-hmm. they, if you have a clause in your contract, you're not going to Vancouver. Yeah. The Brock Besser deal that we're talking about is the deal you make if you weren't able to get Raquel back in the summer. But they did. Yeah, that's fair. They did. He's here. Your top six is, is set. 
and it's good. Your bottom six is pretty set too. This team is good. This team is winning. They've they're on a five game win streak. Why? I don't know. Understand why? You know, obviously, trade speculation is always going to get people's attention, especially when it's a name. Even though he hasn't performed like it, Brock Besser is a household name in the NHL at this point because he because he's done it from a young age and he's only 25 years old and he's shown that he has potential to be better basically like everybody on the Vancouver Canucks but at the same exact time there's nothing wrong with this team right now and that is not the deal you make at this moment in time especially because that's the biggest name on the market so clearly somebody's going to overpay for him someone's going to overpay for him I think a lot what why a lot of people may want Pittsburgh in on this too is that this team is good yeah like the top mm-hmm. six is solid the third line is meh, iffy. Can't it has its ups and downs. It's but streaky. It's, it's streaky, but there's definitely something that can be made there. Mm. The fourth line is so much fun. They don't have to score. They can just go out there, skate around, and do their thing. And I am enjoying it. Yeah. So the forward core is pretty well set. Like I said, the third line can be fixed, but this team is good and is getting wins. I think a lot of people just feel that there are still cracks in the armor. Mm-hmm. It just needs something to push the team over the edge. Mm-hmm. And could Brock Besser be it? Again, depends who you're losing, but a lot of people might think Besser is the one that can give them that push. At the but that's again that's fantasy land where the cat where you have the cap space for it. Mm-hmm. I mean, for now we just got to find the putty to fill those cracks in. You're mentioning there's some cracks. Sometimes those cracks are hard to see. Yeah, the Penguins are going to be able to show exactly what they need by New Year's. Look at their schedule coming up. Starting tonight against the Dallas Stars and one of the best players in hockey in Jason Robertson. Then they have Florida, and then guess what? You're going down a gauntlet of Metropolitan Division opponents, and they're not the bad ones. They're not Philadelphia and Columbus. You're playing the Devils. You're playing the Islanders. You're playing the the Carolina Hurricanes. I believe the Rangers are in there as well. You're playing a lot of top-tier teams in your division not to mention some very talented offenses this week in Dallas and Florida. So if you want to see what this team is about, you're really going to see it in the next two weeks leading up to New Year's and leading up to the Winter Classic on January 2nd. So maybe this is when you find out exactly what you need to go on a run. And that's what I'm I'm waiting on. That's why I say you don't make this deal. Maybe after this little stretch here, you say, okay, you know what? They probably do need Besser, but it doesn't make sense sitting here right now and I don't foresee anything happening in the next two weeks that's going to make me change my mind otherwise that's totally fair it could that's what I mean we all reserve the right to change our opinions and it it could change my opinion based on their performance but I really doubt it so yeah and plus knock on wood knock on all of the wood what if an injury comes along as well you gotta figure this is a tough sport what if I'm not gonna throw a name someone don't, yeah don't don't put someone. that evil on me ricky bobby <laughs> yeah what if someone like just happens to like and it's not even a season ender you know it's just he's out for a month and a half two months mm-hmm. oh now you need the piece right something gets filed in ah there we go what's your thought go ahead i see i don't think you need the piece because right now who are you who were you healthy scratching you're healthy scratching a one million dollar Dayton heinen that's a good piece that's a good injury fill in not to mention the fact the guys that we haven't seen yet Alex Nylander hasn't had a sniff. I'd like to see him get one. Valtteri Pustinen has played one game, and that was last year. I'd like to see him get another one. There's guys. There's guys that can fill in, especially if you're saying it's it's four weeks. Yeah, it's going to be rough. It's, it depends who it is. 
as well, right? If if Ryan Paling ended up going out for longer than his day to day, he was back in the lineup as well. Nobody talks about Ryan Paling. <laughs> you know? That that aggravates me. Nobody talked about Ryan Paling, who honestly, this is a different discussion for a different day. Never mind. But if it's you know, if Ryan Paling goes out. Are we saying, oh, you know what? You need Brock Besser to fill in for Ryan Paling because otherwise that hole is not going to be filled. You know, you're not going to be able to, to make up for that. Lot. No, it depends who, who goes out. And we hope, of course, knock on wood. Last time I said this, I can't believe you made me say it again. Uh, last time I said this, Crystal Tang had a stroke. But knock on wood, nothing happens. All right, come on now. <laughs> it literally was the same day. Uh, no. I felt awful, even though... We literally like, had the discussion of, hey, this team hasn't... Has had six a fully games healthy lineup. without Six games with a fully healthy lineup and then... We wrote. I wrote a story about it. We d- we talked about it on here. We bumped up how healthy this team is. We talked about how long it's been. And here's the uh, thing, and that that only gets taken seriously in hockey, and we should know that by now. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. Well, we're gonna take a quick break. When we return, at the, at the end of the day, I just don't think they should go up to Brock Besser. But you know, I digress on the point. I can talk about it for for days and i have been talking about it for days via text message with everybody but we're gonna take a quick break when we return uh we finish it off with our weekly pens bowl Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by InsideThePenguins.com. The Pens have two games coming up this week, one against the Dallas Stars, one against the Florida Panthers, both at PPG Paints Arena. So if you have the time and you have the money, get down there because, you know, this team is very good and these players that people expected to take a step back are clearly not. So And there are plenty of seats open. Yeah, there are plenty of seats available as well. So get out there. See some of the best hockey you're ever going to see in your lifetime and don't take it for granted. That's that's my spiel on that. But our weekly Pens poll, uh, we asked who will lead the Penguins in goals by the end of the regular season. Uh, when we put up this poll, Sidney Crosby had 13 goals, Jake Gensel had 12, Evgeny Malkin had 8, and Ricardo Raquel had 10. That was the top four. Jake Gensel still won the poll despite being in second place in the current roster. He now has 13. He's scored one since then, but he got 61% of the vote. Sidney Crosby gets 32% of the vote. Ricard Raquel got six. Not a single soul thought of Guinea Malkin would lead the Penguins in goal scoring. For Gino. Poor, poor Gino. I mean, eight assists in his last five games. A little bit of respect would need to be given there. But Horwat, who do you think would lead the Penguins in goals? Now, of course... We do have the hindsight of seeing Sidney Crosby score four goals since this poll was posted. We do have that hindsight, and I'm going to utilize that hindsight because remember at the beginning of the season we talked about, hey, Jake Kessel might be on tear for, might be on pace for 50 goals this year. What if I told you Sidney Crosby's going to take those 50 goals from him? Yeah. Well then, not not what we all saw coming from the 35 year old Sidney Crosby, but there's something special about Sidney Crosby right now, ladies and gentlemen. He's on pace for the second most points he's ever scored. This league is getting younger and faster around him. Doesn't matter to him. Does not matter. I get his numbers aren't at Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl levels. Uh, but then again, his power play has sucked recently. Up until recently, I guess. Give it time. Give it time. He's going to make a solid case for that MVP run, and I think he will absolutely lead this team in scoring this year. Mm-hmm. Sorry, Jake Gensel. Uh, just the pace isn't there, and there's something redonkulous about Sidney Crosby right now. Yeah, not only 
is he? I mean, he's not going to be able to, to maintain with Drysaddle and McDavid because Drysaddle and McDavid cherry pick power play points. They really do because if you look at who's leading the league in even strength goals and, and not sorry goals, even strength points, that would be Sidney Crosby, folks, the best player at even strength in the National Hockey League this season. That would be uh, number eighty-seven with fifty-nine and sixty-seven on his on his wings, starting to become one of the best lines in hockey. Right up there with the Penguins' second line of Malkin, Rust, and Zucker. Who li- listen? I'll say it because there's there's facts to back it up right now. But Sidney Crosby leads the team now with seventeen goals on the season. Jake Gensel has thirteen. Ricard Raquel has jumped up into third with twelve goals on the season, and Evgeny Malkin is tied for fourth with eight. Tied with who? Brock McGinn. Gotta love to see it. Uh, but no, I just don't believe anybody on this team is going to catch Crosby in any facet this season. I really don't. The way that he's playing, and it's not, you know, this is a hot streak. It's an unbelievable hot streak. He's just playing out of his mind. He's just plodding along. He is playing out of his mind in some instances, but he's not doing anything spectacular, miraculous, more so than he usually does. He's just going out there, playing his game, and he's just better than everyone. And it's something that we've seen multiple times in his career, but it's nothing we've seen at this level and at this pace in like six years, at least. So it's insane. Like I said at the beginning of this segment, there's something special happening with these players that we've gotten to watch over 17 years. Do not miss an opportunity to watch these guys in person. Because right now, you know, even though Genny Malkin hasn't scored since his 1,000th game in Chicago, both of these guys are playing at a very, very high level. And Sidney Crosby is playing at the one of the highest levels that he has in his entire career at the age of 35. It, it, we we talk about Malkin not scoring since his, yeah it was since his 1000th game I had to triple check it uh he's like I said he's got eight points in the last five he's yeah. helping everyone else and I'm not saying this is like the equivalent of Phil Kessel here whenever we looked at whenever we turned Phil Kessel into one of the league's best playmakers but the fact that Evgeny Malkin is still able to put up he's 20 assists on the season he's one behind Crosby for the le- team lead by the way mm-hmm. in helpers uh, that's something new for Malkin that we haven't seen, and it's good that he's able to evolve a game like that mm-hmm. at his age. Because, we're again, we're talking about the oldest team in the league, mm-hmm. right? It's just bare-bones numbers, oldest team in the league, and yet have a player in Sidney Crosby's putting up MVP-caliber numbers. Uh, in his last 10, this is perfect, eight goals, seven assists. You're welcome. He knows what he's doing, clearly. But it's... It, one thing that this also does, if Sidney Crosby's able to maintain this pace and hit his 50-goal season, hey, Jake Gensel, you're, you have time to hit it. You don't have to hit it this year. Clearly, the the, the window is of opportunity has lengthened. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, this is such a fun team. It's old, yeah. Are they winning again, though? Yeah. And are there cracks in the armor, like I said before? Yeah, there's a couple. You know, and a lot of the... Excuse me. A lot of people may really want to expose those cracks and talk about how to fill them. For what it's worth, right now, five-game win streak. We've only lost to Toronto badly. And let's be fair. We could have beaten Carolina. Yeah. You know, we we could be talking about one loss in our last however many. Mm-hmm. But Sidney Crosby's on a tear. Jake Gensel's helping out. Evgeny Malkin's picking up helpers. Tristan Jari is standing on his head. We didn't even... Dis- well, this is the first time we brought him up on this episode. Yeah. You'll take care of that tomorrow, I'm sure. Yep. 
there's so much good happening with this team that yeah the flaws are broad but the power play seems to be picking it up there's a lot to be happy about with this team go watch them enjoy Sidney crosby at the age of 35 as if playing mm-hmm. as if he's 22 um this is fun this is so much fun yeah the last thing i'll say uh and it'll be on malkin is this the pittsburgh penguins power play has picked it up considerably in the last four or five games. They've scored a power play goal, I'm pretty sure, in four straight or five straight. Five straight, because I think it's along with the winning streak. So, the other thing is, Evgeny Malkin hasn't scored any of those goals because the power play has changed. Eventually, if the power play is clicking at this level, he's going to start getting his goals. The, the difference is, the power play no longer runs through Evgeny Malkin. It runs a little bit more evenly, which is an adjustment. Once he adjusts, you're going to start seeing power play goals from Evgeny Malkin, and he'll be just fine as far as his numbers. I promise you he will not finish the season tied or underneath Brock McGinn in total goals. There's no way in God's green earth that that's going to happen. But that's going to do it for this episode of the Tip of the Iceberg. We appreciate you tuning in. Don't forget to download and subscribe on all platforms, anywhere you get your podcasts from, or on youtube if you're listening to this right now or watching this on youtube don't forget you still have some time about 10 hours until we give away a signed teddy bluger jersey so make sure you subscribe to us on youtube take a screenshot of your subscription and put it underneath the contest either tweet or post on inside the penguins on facebook and twitter but that's going to do it for this one we'll see you guys all week But me and Horwat will both see you guys on Thursday. Have a great one, Pens fans.